Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Do the woo. We are at episode, I've already forgotten, episode 58. (laughs) You know, how time flies. Anyway, I'm joined by my great co-host. And actually today, not the day of the, when we publish this, but the day of recording is Jonathan's birthday. So I was going to sing happy birthday. Oh. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, that's good because now I don't have to sing happy birthday. Our, our guest was able to pop in and, and sing it and definitely will keep people around versus me singing it. So how is your birthday going, Jonathan? So far, good. I've kind of planned a lighter day. Uh, the kids are gone, so I'm going to probably do some writing this afternoon, which I'm, I always look forward to some quiet writing time. Excellent. All righty. Well, I'm anxious to get into this show, and I know that Jonathan's anxious to get back to um, doing the birthday thing. So uh, I want to dive in first. I want to thank our sponsors, WooCommerce.com. Uh, just would suggest that if you want to get involved in conversation, community, check out their Slack channel and check out their Facebook group, the official WooCommerce Facebook group. There's a lot going on in there. You can gear questions answered, and you can also talk to Jonathan, which is always a bonus. <laughs> and WP Activity Log, formerly WP Security Audit Log. They're really focused on the activity log of your WooCommerce site, what shop managers and customers are doing. So you'll want to check them out at WP Activity Log and We have ReCapture also as a sponsor. They're a cart abandonment and email marketing service, basically, for your site. They have a great uh, deal for our listeners, so stay tuned in. You'll hear about that later. Anyway, I'm anxious to get into this because I've had this... um, um, I was going to say young man. Yeah, you're a young man compared to me. You know, that that worked for me, so... (laughs) But um, anyway, I've had him on my other podcast. I'm anxious to have him on here. I always, you know, I've never had the opportunity to chat probably as much as I'd like to with with him, uh, even in person. But I know we've had a couple in the past. Matt Mullenwig, co-founder of WordPress. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Howdy, howdy. It's good to see you all. Well, I am going to start with this. And this is always the question we ask. And I've thought, man, if anybody I want to ask this question to, it'd be Matt Mullenweg. Matt, how do you do the woo? (laughs) I do the woo one release at a time. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So that, that pretty much, you know, I don't think we've ever had anybody say it that succinct. Have we, Jonathan? Nope. Did a good job. Perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) Now, the other thing I usually lead into is your journey to WooCommerce. But I thought instead of doing that, let's kind of take it this way. So for those that don't know, WordPress started in 2003. That's when it sprung up. And amazingly, 17 years ago. Then in 2011, WooCommerce came out. And then later, there was the integration of the two, the automatic uh, bringing on WooCommerce to their family. Now, there's all that time, Matt, that took place before WooCommerce came out, that WordPress was out there. Mm-hmm. Then there's all the time afterwards. Of course, the what was offered in the e-commerce space for WordPress prior to WooCommerce was very limited. I know myself, I did a couple things that was rather challenging. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, and even a little bit from WordPress perspective, when did you start really seeing that e-commerce could play a significant role with WordPress? Hmm. What gave you that notion at that moment in time? I, I don't expect a you know a day and time and year, but somewhere along that path. I think it was probably 2013. So. Uh, about a year prior to us doing the acquisition, I started saying that I wanted there to be a canonical e-commerce plugin, and Automatic was probably going to do something in this space. And um, yeah, really, that year, year and a half was just learning. It's a big, complicated, <laughs> uh, hairy area, but I do believe that if we can 
democratize commerce like we have publishing with WordPress, it just unlocks so much economic opportunity in the whole world. And we need that independent alternative to the centralized services, right? Amazon is kind of like the Facebook or the AOL of commerce. We need uh, people to have the alternative to be free. I mean, at the end of the day. So did you in the early days, and I, I don't know how early I'd even want to say, was there any, any, even a twinkle in your eye of, you know, seeing that when online shopping became more popular, it became more robust. Mm-hmm. Was there any moment you started relating it to what you were doing with WordPress? Or was it always just, okay, I've got this, and I, and then there's this? Well, you know, I think already then the marriage of content and commerce was starting to happen. So where people were telling a story when they were selling something, and you started to see more of these... I don't know when Warby Parker started, or but you started to see some more of those kind of like single product sites, um, people that really created a really unique experience. Um, maybe the heritage there is kind of like stuff that used to be on the home shopping channel or something <laughs> as seen on TV, right? Like uh, just like this idea that there was like a really interesting product that was going to tell a story beyond what you could narrate on a generic eBay or Amazon page. And um, and then customization. So a lot of what you do in a store doesn't look that different from a lot of the types of sites that people build on WordPress already. And uh, we were seeing kind of early versions would maybe use like PayPal buttons or other integrations to do kind of hacked up stores. So it was clear the demand was there. And uh, Woo did really impress me, you know, coming out of a company that was known for theming. You know, Woo, I think they just created Woo Commerce to sell more themes. And then it ended up becoming this thing that once you get that positive flywheel of open source, meaning like you get more users, which gets more developers, which then gets more users. Um, you know, and every open source project either has the positive flywheel or the negative flywheel. If it's above 1.0, kind of like a pandemic, like it's growing exponentially. If it's below 1.0, it's shrinking exponentially and will eventually go away. Now, open source never really goes away. Like, I'm sure PHP Nuke is still out there somewhere, but it basically becomes irrelevant. And, um, yeah, the only open source alternative out there was probably, well, that, that was really big was Magento and, uh, had some great history. It was open source, it was PHP, but I felt like it had gone kind of more enterprise direction, not as user centric. And so, you know, with WordPress's focus on users, uh, you know, clean user, experiences and all that sort of stuff. I felt like there was room for something else and the demand for it as well. One of the things that's always surprised me, or it's been interesting to me, is to see that people rather are surprised about how much Woo has grown or what's being done with it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, especially in comparison to what you think, oh, well, if you're going to do commerce, you're going to do Magento or you're going to do something else like, like Woo. And I think in my experience, it's really been that link between, you mentioned content and commerce. People are like, well, I'm using WordPress for content. And this is a lot of what we saw in the enterprise. Enterprise executives would say, well, why can't we just use WordPress, right? People are used to this. The marketing teams are used to it. And I think we're seeing a lot of that same thing in commerce where they're like, well, I just want to be able to manage my shop the same way that I'm managing content. Can we just link mm-hmm. those together? And I think it surprises people just how big it's grown. Yeah, I mean... It, you really have to prove why you're not going to use Shopify or WooCommerce if you're starting a store today. Yeah. Right? Like, why not one of those two? And um, what open source typically does when it enters a market is it it ruthlessly commoditizes the low end. Yep. So the average revenue of a Shopify subscriber is $1,200 per year. Like, who pays that even for the WordPress hosting? You know, <laughs> you could buy everything on WooCommerce site. You get only a couple hundred dollars a year. Um, so you can save a ton of money on the low end. Plus, they're going to charge you on every payment, et cetera. So you'll you'll have better margins on all the payment stuff. And um, and we've got some built-in things now, like WooCommerce payments. And then on the very high end, you know, ultimately, they're a SaaS service. So while they have a ton of amazing functionality, like I have a ton of respect, actually, for Shopify. If you want to paint outside the box, you're either doing kind of a really hacked-up third-party integration, and ultimately, you're not in control of the code and what's your customer experience. And so that's, you know, if you want to do... Anything that's not what they is on their roadmap, um, you're better off doing something open source. Now, finally, philosophically, <laughs> now 
folks listening to this know the philosophical reasons why you should always bet on open source yeah, um, or never bet against open source. But uh, that's not going to convince most people. I hope that most are going to come from either the low end being commoditized or the high end being flexible. So you mentioned Shopify. One of my, I'm going to jump to just one of my favorite topics. It was a few years ago, you started talking about this idea of WordPress as an operating system. Mm-hmm. I was listening to one of Shopify's earnings calls last year. And at, during the Q&A at the end, the executives referred to it as a retail operating system, hmm. which I thought was interesting. That wasn't part of their like prepared remarks. It just came up in Q&A. It's like, okay, that's kind of how they're thinking about it. Do you, I guess, start with just the, the basic. Do you consider Shopify a competitor to Woo? Yeah, of course. So if you take Shopify in its current state, uh, 4,000 plus employees, a decent amount of money in the bank, <laughs> a lot of revenue happening there versus Woo. And you know, I, I forget what the team is currently, but not anything close to that, just mm-hmm. a couple hundred. How does Woo, how does open source like compete effectively? Well, we're kind of the permanent David and not the Goliath, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, when WordPress was getting started, we were three or four people and the competitor was movable type, which had 200 something and millions yep. of dollars of funding, all those sorts of things. Like we're used to being, you know, a hundred X smaller or behind on the surface, but that's just the things that are easy to count. It doesn't count what matters, which is community, which is flexibility, which is user centricity. Um, over time, if we're true to that, you know, like you could definitely mess it up. Lots of open source projects too. Yeah. But if we're able to follow the playbook that we did with WordPress, which we have so far, you start to catch up pretty quickly. And yeah, like any exponential growth, it looks like nothing for a while, and then it starts going up really quickly. And so that is, um, we're starting to see some interesting things there. Yeah, I mean, if Shopify is 4,000 people and Woo is like 150, like that's a huge difference. But if you start to look at GMV, Woo's like, coming up on 20, 25% of Shopify's GMV. Well, that's kind yep. of interesting. <laughs> like, well, what's going on there? Um, and, you know, is Shopify an operating system? Uh, sure. It's a proprietary operating system. It's not a bad one. It's a really good one. Yeah. It's a proprietary operating system on my phone, <laughs> um, on my laptop. It's not bad, but I think that uh, their executives and our executives influence each other a lot. We watch each other's interviews. <laughs> they probably meet some of say the operating system thing once or twice. And, um, and we make each other better also, to be honest, like you want good competitors. Yeah. Um, open source typically doesn't stagnate because its users drive it forward so much, but proprietary companies often do. And so we're making Shopify a lot better and they're doing some great work and making us better. So, uh, it's good for the market to have those options. I'm curious, you mentioned with open source, uh, the, the like, so there's this positive flywheel effect. What are the things that you've seen that can go wrong in the open source project? Yeah, you can have kind of a version of regulatory capture where the what made the project successful inhibits it from reaching the next stage of growth. Hmm. So you know, maybe some historical examples from other open source projects. I feel like it was tough in the early days for Drupal to get the, the ease of use and really focus on that end user usability um, because so much of its uh, early success created these really big agencies that then made all their money building huge Drupal sites that, you know, to make their model work with six figures or higher to, to deploy the site. Uh, so this was fantastic. There were lots of really high end Drupal sites created. Um, but their business model just didn't support a 10K site or a 1K site. And they were, and they were also a lot of contributors. So they never really had an incentive to like maybe make it easy to build that 100K site for 1K. Um, where us coming from the other end were incentivized to do that. And we did do that. You know, yep. a website that would cost you half a million dollars 15 years ago, you can now build with a theme for WordPress, which is kind of wild. Um, yeah. So you get these incentive structures. Um, Maybe Joomla is another one where they, they had this third-party paid um, plugin system that really strongly encouraged people to do these. But then that discouraged different developers from working together and solving the same thing one time. You know, they would each create their own version of like sitemaps or something. And as a user, then all of a sudden you're being nickel and dime where you're like, okay, I just want a sitemap. Which $5 thing do I buy? Yeah. And I have to buy 20 other things to do something. Uh, we have to be careful with that with Woo, which has a lot of commercial extensions. So these are all just kind of 
what you create the incentives to be over time um, can prevent you, I think, from reaching the next stage. But to avoid that, what we do in WordPress is, well, one, we try to avoid committees wherever possible. Almost nothing great has ever been created by a committee. So <laughs> uh, we try to give people like autonomy, ownership, and um, accountability, right? Like you're in charge of XYZ. Be in charge of it and let's see how that goes. And if it doesn't work out, we'll put someone else in charge of it. But like, you know, I'm not going to just create, cover my butt with like a committee of 10 people voting on every single change and just getting the lowest common denominator. You're not going to create great software that way. And then, um, you know, doing, being very close to users. So we always have, Woo is very much a developer product today, but our aspiration is to make it easier for users. Yeah. Which by the way, we'll get developers a ton more work, just like a different WordPress. So this is, again, one of these flywheels that if you're not careful, if we said, well, it was just for developers forever, like that would get here and then it would stay there forever and then it'd probably start declining. But by saying we really want to radically open up the audience that uses Woo, um, it then also makes what this is the audience for developers to build things for much larger down the road. This episode is brought to you by Recapture Abandoned Cart Recovery and Email Marketing for WooCommerce. Anyone who runs a Woo shop knows how frustrating abandoned carts are. And getting them back with Recapture is easy and setup takes less than five minutes. With their ready-to-use emails, you can take them out of the box and start working for you right away. You'll save time having to start from scratch. Abandoned cart emails are managed for you automatically as the email service runs outside of your store, ensuring the best delivery to your customers. Their easy-to-read analytics reports will help you to monitor your cart recovery. And what's really cool is that you can watch what is happening live on your store with Recapture's live cart feed. The plugin is highly optimized, so you don't have to worry about it slowing down your site. And their guarantee of email delivery, traffic increase loads, and support make it a valuable investment compared to all those free plugins out there. From what I hear, if you sign up, you'll be joining thousands of merchants who have already recovered over $115 million. Make sure and check them out. And as a listener, get 60 days free with Recapture. Just go to recapture.io forward slash do the woo dash special. And now back to our conversation. I had to laugh at the committee thing because I was previous to my life in WordPress, I, my wife and I ran a business, a marketing business for 17 years. So we were in the real, I want to say the real business world of chambers of commerce and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of our clients was a school district that wanted to change their logo because I was, I actually did logo design and they had the, their logo was this lamp of learning, you know, it looks like the Aladdin's <laughs> lamp. It looked like it was done in 1890 or something like that. And they decided they wanted to update this. And it was a committee, the, the logo redesign committee. And we spent 12 months talking about this. <laughs> and at the end of 12 months, they paid me and decided to keep their lamp of learning. And we went on our way. So, um, I, uh, yeah, so committees are, um, Yes, they can be very interesting at times. They can be good at keeping something really bad from happening, you know, because you get like a bunch of people saying, yeah. oh, that's terrible. Um, but it it's rare that they create something really great or make something really, really good happen. So it happens yeah. sometimes, but it's not always like the, you know, when you think of like a ton of innovation. Yeah. I know we, I would just shudder every time somebody would say, okay, well, we're going to have you work with this committee. Oh, the C word. <laughs> You know, it was like, oh, no, not again. <laughs> but it's funny because every great thing we can think of has been created by a team. So right. what's the difference between a committee mm. and team yeah. that kind of is the magic? It's still a group of five or ten people sitting around a table. But what makes one what's created everything we love to use in our lives and the other create probably the things that we don't like to use in our lives? <laughs> it's an interesting thought experiment. One of the interesting things, too, within the context of a team, like I'd automatically have this concept of like, it's not unique, but the, a directly responsible individual, right? And within the context of a team, in my experience, you tend to have a combination of people who are each in, responsible for different things that they're bringing together collaboratively. Whereas in committees, that's often not the case. It's like we're sharing responsibility for this thing that needs to get worked on and it gets complicated very quickly. Yeah. 
and with the best of intentions. I've done it a ton of times as well. <laughs> Remember, we made the the marketing councils uh, or growth councils for for uh, WordPress.org, and um, I I did that thing, and it was going to work, right? Like we get all these great CEOs and everything around the table. We'll create some awesome stuff, and it ended up just being challenging. Even though, you know, in hindsight, if I just deputized any one of those people, <laughs> probably could have moved a lot faster than the group of them. Going back to when we were talking about Shopify and all the different other options out there, I'm just curious personally if somebody pulled you aside at a WordCamp when we're back to actually at a place where people <laughs> can pull you aside at a WordCamp, and they ask, they just you know maybe they you know they're just starting to get into WordPress, maybe WooCommerce, and they just ask you, what do you think is the biggest advantage of using WordPress and WooCommerce over all these other options out there? Hmm. Uh, you know, if I'm at a work camp, I'm going to start with freedom. Because <laughs> if you're at the, at the work camp, you probably believe in that to start with. So I'm going to say freedom, flexibility, um, being the next best reason after freedom. And um, I'd probably stop right there. <laughs> flexibility is kind of amazing. It can, can scale up. It can scale down. You can sell one thing. You can have 400,000 SKUs. Um, you can do curbside pickup. You can do delivery. You can do takeout. You can do like, you can sell time. You can build Airbnb. You can do so much stuff on Woo. It's kind of incredible. Um, you're really just limited by your imagination and your customers. One of the things that I found helpful is is talking about like anytime you learn and have a new tool that lets you do a lot of different things, there's a learning curve. Like there, if if you're going to be able to do a lot with something, you need to be prepared. Because that's the trade-off mm-hmm. to all the flexibility, right? It can be harder to be approached. I think one of the big things about WordPress has been just the strength of the community. People writing tutorials, sharing guides, you know, showing up and helping someone with something. And you have a lot of that the same with Woo. If someone's brand new to it all, they might be like, well, I don't want flexibility. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to get something done. I'm like, well, that's fair. But I want you to know. And so like, we've had folks come up to meetups and like, you certainly could go the proprietary platform route and get something up and running quickly. You can also do it with Woo. It's going to take a little bit more effort to know where to go and what to put together. But then there's the reward on the other side of that freedom you get and the flexibility. Well, also the skills are transferable. Yes. So that investment you made in learning now, you know, enables you to do a ton of other stuff, including building WordPress sites for other people. That's a really valuable skill. You know, with all the economic uncertainty, that's an in-demand skill too. <laughs> We're still seeing shortage of WooCommerce and, and WordPress developers in the midst of the biggest economic crisis of my lifetime. So that, I mean, shows that this is a good place to invest some time into. And I think that people also often don't understand or realize that till later. They They look at WooCommerce and WordPress and say, okay, this is going to take more effort. Maybe I don't need the flexibility. I'm going to move to this platform. And then often, and this is even, I go back to the days when I was actually doing sites, they come back inevitably to you and say, Mm -hmm. this isn't flexible enough, you know, because they didn't really understand maybe the flexibility at first or what that, how that plays into it, that everything is going to be right there and ready and raring to go versus I get in there and now I want to do this. I want to do this. I see somebody over here, my uncle Joe that has a WordPress site and he's doing this really cool thing and I can't do it here. And it's driving me nuts. So that's the challenge is making sure or getting people to understand that. Yes, it may take more time, but it'll Mm -hmm. pay off in the long run because that's what you're going to have. And I, I used to talk to, uh, I would, I remember when, um, WooCommerce sponsored me to do a workshop in Seattle. And somebody asked me halfway through the workshop, Bob, I'm selling one book, one online, you know, one ebook on my site. Do I need to install WooCommerce? So I asked them all these questions, you know, <laughs> what are you going to sell? What are you, all these different plans. And I ended up just saying, why don't you just put easy digital downloads in? Mm-hmm. Because that's all you need. Everything you <laughs> just, you know, but most people, you don't have that always that opportunity to handhold them and say. Well, also we need to evolve the software to make easy things simple. Right. Yeah, selling one thing should be something you're able to, one digital product should be, you know, under 10 minutes from from having the idea to having it available to buy in your store, maybe assuming you have a a Stripe account or whatever, or WooCommerce payments account, uh, that should be under 10 minutes. 
for sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But right now it's not. Like, let's be honest there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now you spend 10 minutes just Googling for the right tutorial. And oh, this one's from 2018. Is it still accurate? Like, there's there's so much we have to improve. And that's part of what makes it exciting as well is, um, I mean, not that I feel like I'm done with CMSs. <laughs> we have a lot to improve on that side. And Gutenberg, you know, is definitely the next decade of my life. But Gosh, e-commerce is such a rich area to explore, learn about, and develop for. Um, you know, if I wasn't doing WordPress at all, I think I'd work on e-commerce because it's just such a, from a, a content management and software point of view, it's such a an interesting thing to work on. You mentioned the mission, and I've loved the, you know, it's interesting, this, this subtle shift from democratizing e-commerce to commerce mm. and that intersection of the offline world with online, right? Because once you start getting into commerce as a business, you start dealing with more complexities, fulfillment, warehousing, inventory management, which very quickly intersect with the offline world. And I, I've really, again, to the, one of the big benefits of open source, it's been amazing to see just the number of integrations and the things that people build because they know they can just get in and build it themselves. And it's, it's, it's phenomenal. The challenge is getting all those pieces connected. And I know for me, I've really liked this focus on the merchant themselves of recent years. Wu has been, all right, we're going to focus. We've done a lot for builders. Let's, and that's still really important, but we're going to focus on the merchant. And in my experience with WordPress, that was always one of its biggest keys, if not the key to its success was, Make it easy for the non-technical person. I think the more that that happens with Woo, you just—it's incredible. The things that just open up, and I just—it still blows my mind to this day. To like go to a meetup and see what someone was working on. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things. Show and show us what you've been doing. Like, wow, that's incredible. You got this piece here and this piece over here, and okay, it's kind of janky in parts and pieces, but it's working. And we can make it better. And we can make it better. Yeah, you know, exactly. one release at a time. <laughs> and I, I go back to when WooCommerce came out in 2011, I actually uh, started dabbling in it right away, although I swore I would never do an online store or get into e-commerce because of just the complexities of it. And I installed it shortly after that. And I can't remember what I sold, the very first thing I sold, but between 2011 and now, almost nine years, I maybe have had WooCommerce off my site maybe two or three months. It's always been on my site because I've <laughs> sold all these various things and I've actually done workshops where I said, I've sold stuff on WooCommerce for nine years and I've never sold a product and shipped it physically. <laughs> and people go, wait a minute, you know, step back. What are you talking about? And then I go through all the different things that I've actually, you know, sold as far as coaching and sponsorships and consulting and mm. training and online courses and all this stuff. That's cool. And that's what the beauty of it is. And that's what I always push people to is that it can be used for so many. I mean, you don't just think I've got to, I got to have this physical thing here. I've got to set up shipping and I got to send it off somewhere. There's so many ways to sell and it's so flexible that you, it almost, cause I'm a, I'm a crazy pivoter. I've pivoted in WordPress so many times that people half the time don't know what I'm doing at any certain point. And it's always pivoted to what I need to sell. And it's been easy to say, okay, it's on there. Now I just switch over this. This is how I'm selling this. Bam. Mm -hmm. One of the helpful lenses for me. So my, my daughter's six and she has her first WooCommerce store up and running. <laughs> That's awesome. It, and so she, and it's been amazing. She uses the WordPress app to manage it and she like creates these drawings and I was able to set up an integration with uh, with Printful to do some print on mm. demand because you know, mm -hmm. family wanted to buy her artwork on bags or shirts and things like that. <laughs> a six year old entrepreneur selling yeah. prints on that that's the coolest story I've heard today for sure. And for me that that that's the that's a critical lens because my daughter she's actually she's interested in coding she's all these things but i'm like all right i need to start with something that she can really access and being able to put the she has an ipad be able to have the wordpress app there and having her uploading things and managing things there and she did it herself she's using gutenberg that that um cool. that to me is an important key to the future and i love the stuff that's been happening with like kids camps and things where we're like hey let's make this let's make sure that we're looking at this through the lens of our kids and the next generation What's it like for them? Things that we take for granted. 
I mean, part of me, like I want my daughter to, I think I want her to like learn CSS and like all those things, but she doesn't need to, to start being able to create on the web. Yeah. And in 2040 or 2050, when she's a fortune 500 CEO, (laughs) hopefully she can tell people, Hey, when I was six, I used WooCommerce, you know, this version, now you can use version 14 and start and sell in the metaverse, like this uh, fun stuff. My, my 10 year old, my son discovered themes and uh, so he has his own WordPress site and he's been like, it was amazing. It was very gratifying for me to see him discover that he could switch out themes and, and the customizer and playing with things. And I didn't agree with a lot of his choices, <laughs> but I, for me, that that's what it's about. Like that empowering, that creativity where they, they're expressing their thoughts and ideas and knowing that it's still early, that we can make it so much better. That's, uh, I find that really inspiring. Yeah. So when, when will your daughter be on the podcast? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, tell me when she's ready. You know, this is, let's just touch on, uh, and I more or less just want your, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts and this is very generic, but the newest blocks in Moo are the checkout and the cart. Any thoughts on that you want to share, Matt, or just, um, I mean, I think it's really cool myself. I, I, I got in there and was able to play around with it. And I'm, I, I just see the direction of this. And in fact, I I'm already, you know, I just redesigned my site. Oh, a little over, uh, maybe a year ago and I'm using a page builder. Now I'm thinking of now it's to the point where I think I can go back and I can just redesign the whole thing in Gutenberg, which I want to do, but you know, I'm thinking, oh, another redesign job, but it's probably going to happen. Anyway, back to <laughs> Woo. Sounds like a fun weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to, It's. I'm sure it's going to happen probably sooner than later. But what's your thoughts just on, you know, in general and, and when you, you know, with the cart and checkout and kind of where it's going in the WooCommerce space with the blocks? And I mean, I don't need any predictions or what's going to happen, but just your general ideas. Yeah. I mean, blocks are the future of everything. <laughs> like beyond just WordPress, I think it's the future of the web. Yeah, you're going to see blocks on different apps. You're going to see it in mobile apps. You're going to see it on competitive CMSs. You're going to see it on proprietary CMSs. Like, um, So if you can go towards blocks versus away from it, you're swimming in the right direction. This episode is brought to you by WP Activity Log, formerly WP Security Audit Log. Now, this is something all store owners need to do. Stay on top of things with a detailed log of all store and product changes. There are comprehensive activity logs that you can use with WooCommerce keeps you on top of what is going on with your shop managers and your team. You'll be able to monitor and record when they make changes to products, orders, and coupons. And notably, it will help you with your store compliances. They make it easy to troubleshoot when there is something going on. In fact, you'll be able to configure emails and instant SMS notifications to get alerted of critical changes. Now, want to go a step further? You'll see who's logged in and what changes are being made in real time. And if needed, you can manage, limit, block, and even terminate any user sessions. This is perfect for membership or subscription sites as it can help you control limitations on single user access. There's a number of reports you can generate from the activity logs and you're able to use the search and filters for troubleshooting. In a nutshell, stay on top of it all. What is going on, where and when? No better way to manage your WooCommerce store. You can check them out at wpactivitylog.com and click on the activity log for WooCommerce. Now let's head on back to the show. I've, I've heard some folks express their concerns about just how much creative freedom it opens up. Like suddenly you're going to see checkouts here and this here and this here. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, there, there was always trade-offs, but ultimately I think empowering like new themes and new ways of doing things, it at least at a high level, it feels like, well, it, it is definitely worth the trade-off. It's going to be interesting to see what people do with it, which can't really be predicted. Yeah. And, and builders, developers, or themes can lock all that down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they they can they can lock in blocks or allow you to only edit certain things. Or you know, part of this, we what was so fun about it is it's not often that you can find a solution to a problem. We have this big problem around 
short codes and page builders and all these sorts of things. A solution that's both easier for new users and way more powerful for developers. Mm. And now that we have this common framework that all the builders can build on, all the plugins can integrate with, all the developers can learn once and all of a sudden like they can build anything. They don't have to learn like each page builder being its own kind of proprietary thing. That um, just, it hits every side of the equation. And uh, usually there's a trade-off, to be honest. Like sometimes you're making things for developers and not for users or vice versa, but this really does hit all of them. Yeah. And that's why, um, that's you know, it was actually one of the things, because there was that point not that long ago when Gutenberg seemed kind of dire. <laughs> like, mm. It was predicted to be the end of WordPress and like bringing it in was going to tank it and no one was going to upgrade and all these sorts of things. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that, yeah, well, one, it was just going to keep getting better. And two, if people gave it a chance, they would see this, this experience. I mean, I've coded my whole adult life. I love writing HTML and CSS. I do things in Gutenberg now just because it's faster. Yeah. And easier and I can move it around. It's it's just the best, it's better than any editor I've ever used in a lot of ways. So that and it's getting fast, better really fast. So I mean that's pretty powerful. It's so interesting. So it feels like, for at least from my perspective and what I'm hearing, that we're over the the hump, so to speak. No, we're not over the hump. I would say that like I don't hear a lot of people question it. But do you agree, disagree? I still hear a lot of people question it, but maybe that's just because they, they come to me. Yeah, sure. But, um, you know, we're still in phase one and two. So I feel like as we get through the four phases, that's when the hump is in the rearview mirror. Um, and it's probably that amount of time for everyone who's built a site over the past 17 years <laughs> to start to update them to take advantage of really what's what's allowed and what's afforded by Gutenberg and the things that build on top of it. Um, that was also one of the things I was, I wasn't that worried about was I was like, even if no one cares about Gutenberg, there's going to be a block that they want, you know? <laughs> so I don't need to sell them Gutenberg. There just has to be that one killer block that you're like, ah, wish I had that. And maybe it's a weird one. Maybe it's a funny one. Maybe it's a, you know, as a Tumblr team starts to look at blocks, they have such creative and cool ideas for yeah. them. Um, maybe just one of those, but you'll be like, okay, I'll switch from, yeah, switch to block view. And you're like, okay, this isn't as bad. What's this thing? Okay, I can, oh, here's the keyboard shortcuts. I can be pretty fast on this. Like, you just, you, you, uh, you get hooked on it pretty quickly. And it's hard to go back. It's hard to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to go back. And it's been interesting for me that over the past year, it's, I, I forget how long, but it's been at least a year since I've been like 100% on my own personal sites. And to see the, the, the steady but consistent improvements that it's like, oh, this just feels a little bit smoother now. This is working a little bit more like I expected it to. It's, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's been really reassuring. And this is, again, the beauty about open source. You get that flywheel effect going and people find an area of pain and they say, okay, well, I can contribute to it. I can help make this area better. And when I see the uh, classic editor now, it's like, oh, man, like, Mad respect for it, not everything that like years and years of using it, but it's I've I've now I prefer to work in blocks. It's where I feel comfortable, even as it's still like so much yet to be desired in terms of of what you can do with it. And there's some fun features like you can paste Markdown into it. You can copy and paste from Google Docs. It figures it all out. Um, It just yeah, it's coming along. I'm actually really excited about the next generation too because. You know, you could always view source or view HTML view of a post, mm-hmm. but it'd be this giant blob. And even like figuring out where the thing you were looking for is in that giant blob could be tricky. But now we have like almost like a per element inspect element where you can just flip the card on the other side and see the code that powers it. And that's so cool. It's kind of like HyperCard way back, you know, decades ago. where like, okay, here's this cool little thing. How's that work? Okay, flip the code view, flip back. Let me change this. Let me flip back. You can kind of go back and forth in a way that I think is going to teach a whole new generation uh, really great CSS and HTML. And for me, I know that I talked uh, with you, Matt, on the last podcast, and that was, I can't remember when it was, but it was shortly after um, Gutenberg was first in there, and I'd already gotten used to it. So I I love it for the content side of stuff. I'm just like, it, it's saving me tons of time. And we went through that conversation before, and I, I put in a page builder because I had specific ideas how I wanted certain pages to look. Mm. Now I'm at that point where 
I'm seeing, okay, now Gutenberg can give me those, what I wanted those pages to look at. And the other day I was looking for something and I thought, okay, my page builder should have this to drop in. And I can't even remember what it was and it was driving me nuts. And I was thinking, why isn't this here? Because I just want to drop this in. Well, I just went and searched for a block. I found I popped it in. And, you know, all these realizations are coming to me as I go through my site. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I can do this easily. So I'm, I'm putting more blocks into, you know, I kind of this mishmash of some pages that are built on blocks. Of course, all my content, all my posts and everything are total blocks. And then some of the other pages, I get to a point now where do I want to use a page builder or do I want to use a block? Oh, I, th- I think I can use a block and this is going to be a little bit easier, especially if, for the long term, since I know that eventually that's what I'll be using. But, um, so that's it. It is. It's interesting too. And I, like I said, I've just found the workflow. I love it. I, I, as a content, somebody that spends hours in the editor, I probably spend more time in the editor than most people. And it just everything has just made it so easy. From you know, even the simple moving paragraphs between you know moving blocks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, I want this down here. Oh, just drag it down there. Pop, pop, pop. It's something writers have been doing for hundreds of years. Like I did a writing workshop and one of the things they had us do was print out um, the essay, cut up the paragraphs, and then practice rearranging it. Yeah. And that that's actually a great – and by the way, you can remove some and things like that. Um, it's a great way to work on your writing as a craft. Very cool. Well, I have one last question, and I kind of wanted to go back into the philosophical mm-hmm. and, and, and whip back into the e-commerce side of things and maybe more – personal for you. Um, so I want to take the the mission of Wu is democratizing commerce. And then, you know, at WordPress, I, I personally feels it has and continues to do its mission of democratizing publishing. So it's kind of where we're at. Mm-hmm. So I think there's uh, been a lot of lessons learned about the web overall with the, the coronavirus. You know, we We've dealt mm-hmm. with from social to website, everything. We, you know, we know the spectrum mm-hmm. of both good and bad. And those businesses that were affected by it, the concept of democratizing commerce may have been a critical piece for them because yeah. for survival, it was easy for them to move online. Maybe I should not use the word easy, but easier than it was before to maybe be able to continue to sell some of the products. I think a lot of folks were pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, both from working distributed and selling things online and, and rebuilding things. And there's even a few examples of like maybe a linea in Chicago that, you know, was a high end restaurant that you paid five, $600 a, a ticket to, and they shifted to doing delivery and started making more money than they ever did. Wow. You know? So, I mean, those kind of stories, I mean, they're rare, but, um, I think they're a little bit inspiring because contained in the seed of that story is perhaps a glimpse of the future. Right. So how do you personally think all of this that has happened? Cause I think it's, it's pretty huge what this has opened the eyes for many, you know, business owners, what they can do, what this means long-term of how we sell and buy online. You know, the one thing I'm certain of is that I do not know what's going to happen. It's It's been incredibly humbling. Um, I worry a bit about the seeming disconnect between stocks and the public markets and what I'm hearing from my friends and loved ones and, you know, just seeing some of the economic data where there's a lot of people out of jobs. There's a human cost to this that's huge. We have on today over 110,000 people that passed away in the United States and this thing is still going. You know, we're not we're not at the end. We're not even in the middle. We're still in the beginning. And I um I think the one thing that I try to keep in mind is just to be good humans to each other because this is gonna be really hard. It's been really hard. I think it's gonna get tougher. And we we just need to be there for each other. You know, there can be in times of crisis, there can be a first reaction to kind of draw in. You know, mm-hmm. um, but when humanity is at its best is when we collaborate and when we work together, when open source is at its best is when we work together, when you know, so many of these things, that's our, that's our superpower. 
And one of our superpowers is we can do it across the internet, <laughs> you know, and these other things. So as we start to unlock that, um, I feel like it, it gives us really a fighting chance. And I'm so proud of how the lockdown slowed the spread so much and cautiously optimistic about, you know, we can start to so we learn more. Maybe we can start to open up more without creating more risk or, or maybe we'll open up too much and we'll have to go back. But I mean, I really don't know. I'm not an expert in these things, but um, I do know that no matter what happens, we're going to need to be there for each other. Right. And there are a lot of people out of a job. This is going to show up, you know, further down the road. Um, we can't print money forever in the U S or globally. So um, I think we should buckle down for some, some challenging times yeah. if we haven't already, you know, I was pre- I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. We're five months into this. Do you think it's positive that people have become, this has made a whole population more comfortable online that maybe wasn't comfortable mm-hmm. online. They're, you know, having zoom chats with their families. People are buying saying, wow, you know, I can buy online. Mm-hmm. This is really not so scary. It's, you know, it seems to be safe that we're maybe reluctant before. Is that a, a good thing or, and, and, you know, even at a point, I wonder if it'll yeah. get back to the way it was, but we don't know because we don't even know what it's going to be like. Well, I hope that it's made us all appreciate mm-hmm. things differently, right. right? Appreciate getting a haircut or, <laughs> or whatever it might be. Um, hanging out with some some strangers and watching a sports game you know, whatever it is for each individual person, there's things we all miss, you know, and definitely do want to get back to someday when it's safe to do so. Um, it feels more than a change has been an acceleration of trends that might've happened anyway. And to the extent that that opens up opportunity or makes humanity more connected, I think that's positive. Um, the, you know, I have friends that I've been friends for a long time. We had never done like group hangouts before. <laughs> like we get together once every five years because we've all moved different places. But uh, yeah, so I've been reconnecting with friends that I've known for since middle school. <laughs> we remained friends, but we just wouldn't hang out as a group that much. So that that feels like a good thing. Yeah. But you know, it also can be isolating. A lot, not everyone's quarantining with their family. They might be alone. People are getting sick or worried about getting sick. Um, there's a lot going on there. So. Um, you know, like I said, working together, also anything we can do to, to put a little positivity into the world, we should do so. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Word, WordPress and WooCommerce expert. Um, how do you pay it forward? Is there someone you can mentor? Old, young, <laughs> in, in your country, not in your country? Like, can you, can you show them the ropes and, you know, help them on the support forums or, you know, ha- do your virtual meetups and present there? And, and that, um, you know, when I am going through low points, when I'm having really, really tough days or really tough times, uh, what always snaps me out of it is generosity. Yeah. Doing something for others, giving something away. And um, so anyone listening to this that's finding themselves a low point, see what you can do for others because that really um, is almost magical and how, and how it shifts your perspective. I started my, uh, I started the local WooCommerce meetup on I think it was it was a Wednesday, and then by Friday I'd announced the like that all uh, WooCommerce meetups were no longer happening. <laughs> and Perfect timing. One of the things that amazed Nailed me. It. And so my it's we've switched to virtual, and at this point, almost more than half of all our meetups have switched to virtual successfully, and it's been amazing. Like there's there's been people in my local one, and what I've heard from organizers and from others it's been a huge uh, encouragement to folks. People have come out, they're working on things or working on the transition. So it's been great to see people helping each other, like you're describing and being generous with their time and volunteering and, and helping other. And I know for me, it helped me take some of my focus off of being worried and kind of what's happening here, just to focus on helping other people through their things. And I'm just very encouraged by the resilience of community and people's willingness to be generous with their time, especially when things are crazy. So it's been good to see. Thank you for doing that, by the way. And thank you to anyone listening to this who does pay it forward like that. That is the secret sauce of WordPress. You know, um, these proprietary platforms, they get lots of people doing things for money. Uh, But in WordPress, you get people doing things for love. And that's always going to be a stronger force. Well said.
Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been great. I knew, of course, it would be great. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, join us once again. It's it's the other podcast, but, you know, I, I promise I won't start up a third one and ask you to that. I'm, although I may ask you back to this one sometime. Who knows? <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure and good seeing you both. Awesome. Matt, where, where can people find you on the web? Oh, good question. Uh, P-H-O-T-O-M-A-T-T, Photomat, on Tumblr, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Though I am taking a break from Twitter right now. (laughs) Uh, I have two main active blogs right now. One is a podcast on distributed work at distributed.blog. And the other is my main site, one of the first ever WordPress sites in the world, which now lives at ma.tt. And um, I've been periodically writing there about... Actually, you know, one thing nice thing about the pandemic is I've been blogging more. Mm. So uh, it's been really great. Like, you know, Jonathan, you said you're looking forward to writing <laughs> as well. A day when I get to read and get to write mm. is a really good day for me. And so it's been fun to be able to do a bit more of that. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time with us, Matt. Bob, you want to thank our sponsors and I'll close it out? Yeah, real quick. I want to thank, again, WooCommerce.com and the other two sponsors as well, recapture.io and WP Activity Log, uh, all three excellent resources for your WooCommerce site. And I really encourage you to check out all three. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're list, you've checked out WooCommerce.com before, but what can I say? Jonathan wants you over there again and again yes. and again. <laughs> so, you know, so... We're, we're going to keep at you on that. So, so yeah, I think that'll do it, Jonathan. Why don't you wrap it up? Awesome. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to, to Do The Woo in your favorite podcasting app. If you're interested in WooCommerce news, subscribe to Bob's new Do The Woo Roundup. It's a podcast and the weekly newsletter. Until next week, do the woo.